are listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White. Joining me today, as always, is Carmen Perry. Yeah, uh, Jeff, I'm. Uh, I feel like I'm living on the edge here. You know, on like I. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I've, I've been experimenting as we've been recording various podcasts with how close to the point when you're going to cue me. Can I take a drink of water and then still <laughs> function? Still be ready. Um, uh, so, and it, you know, I think it worked. I think it worked. So, um, but anyway, I think I'm, uh, it's great to be chatting today. And uh, and today's show is, uh, you know, I, I think uh, uh, as we've been. Ex- you know, I know we have COVID fatigue in some way. I mean, goodness yeah. sakes, it's like the only thing to talk about, either that or the election these days, or I guess maybe in the... Depending on uh, when this episode when this, is published. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> well, whether the election will be actually, the results will be known at that point or not, time will tell. But um, I, I guess, uh, but the one thing that, fatigue or not, um, I feel like we need to kind of, I think it's worth talking through, it's worth uh, you know, the thought experiments are, are worthwhile doing is to imagine kind of what's on the other side of this for uh, the manufacturing enterprises and their buyers and, and um, you know, what the next normal looks like. And I, I'm really excited for today's guest to help uh, uh, put some meat on that bone, as it were. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think, too, it's it's worth mentioning that we're talking there about those elements within the context of in-person events. You know, well, uh, yeah, I think uh, largely, although it does uh, go beyond that, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I think we were used to doing business in person, not just events, but we're used to doing business in person, and, and that's probably uh, more important for manufacturers than it is a lot of other sectors that that's have true. learned to buy and sell online. Exclusively online. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it's a uh, part of it's about events, and part of it's just about how we function as humans. But yeah, well, that's. <laughs> well, we're, and we're going to cover it all in this half-hour show. <laughs> so joining us today to completely straighten us out on these topics is uh, Christopher Barger. And Christopher is the Senior Director of Communications at SME. Welcome to the Hula Ring, Christopher. Thank you very much, Jeff. Thanks, Carmen. It's great to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. Not at all. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. And I, I'd really like to start by um, uh, giving our guests a bit more insight into into you, Chris, and what you do at SME, and, and perhaps tell us a bit about the organization. Sure. Well, SME is a nonprofit association that is focused on advancing the manufacturing industry and supporting the industry through three different sets of activities. The first is advancing and promoting the advancement of, of emerging technology. And that can be through the conduct of or production of events, through the media that we publish, through our membership association and our membership and and sharing out information about new technology. The second piece of our our business is workforce development and training, whether it is new skills or retooling and reskilling people to continue working with with new technology as it's implemented in the work, work environment. And then the third piece of our business is connecting and convening the industry, whether it's through our members and connecting them to each other, whether it is producing events again and and bringing people together to build their networks out, connect buyers and sellers, et cetera. And, uh, you know, again, through, through the workforce development that we do, as well as our education foundation. It's a very long description, but it's, it's hard to encapsulate 90 years of, of activity and history into, into a soundbite. And as far as being there, I am a, the, the Senior Director of Communications, so all marketing, PR, well, I shouldn't say that there's a marketing department that isn't under me, but 
branding, PR, communications, executive, digital, all that falls under my group. Very cool. And uh, as you listed everything that SME does, I just started kind of almost checking boxes beside them around like, mm, impacted by COVID hard, impacted by COVID hard, <laughs> impacted by COVID hard, like workforce development, largely done in person. How do we, yeah. you know, um, yeah, this is a, this has been a, certainly a, a tumultuous time for you, I'm sure. It um, has. <laughs> how, uh, I, and and I know that this um, notion of um, of uh, event fatigue—it's it's interesting because I think we, in the early days of COVID, a lot of shift in enthusiasm towards virtual events. Um, uh, I think you folks have put on um, uh, SMX as a virtual event as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, it is next week, or next probably week. passed by the time this is published. But yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. See, so, yeah, it's, it's hard to be uh, timing accurate in these yeah. pre-recordings. <laughs> you know? true, true. Uh, but uh, you know, so I guess, and, and I, I think it's coming at a time when I, I know that you're, you're probably like a lot of other folks are wondering: Is there kind of virtual event fatigue out there? I guess what are you seeing amongst your uh, members as you? embark on the um, SMX virtual event. Uh, uh, is that event fatigue a real thing? And and and, and I guess, how are you uh, approaching it and addressing that? The, it is a real thing. And, and we would be unwise to behave as if people aren't a little tired of this. But there's a reason that our first virtual event uh, is, is happening at the end of October, even though the pandemic shut down began for in the United States in, in, you know, early March, we didn't just rush out the gates. We did not just go start launching things and putting them online. There was a very specific reason that we took our time and did it this way. And that's because virtual event fatigue is not about the idea of being just tired or over engaging digitally or engaging through, through electronic means. It's about engaging poorly that is causing the fatigue. So if you think clearly from an audience perspective, what are they trying to get from an event virtually? What can't they get virtually that they, that they used to get physically? And how do you try to build that, uh, build a a component of that component of that into what you're doing? Again, I I don't think virtual event fatigue is, is because people don't want to do it. I think they're just, they don't want their time wasted. They want to make sure that they get a good experience, that they get as much of the, of the elements of a physical event that that provided them value in the past. And so we've been thoughtful and deliberate and and taken seven months to come out of the gate on purpose. And mm. you know, we've we've heard from a few folks in the industry going, you know, man, aren't you afraid of of missing out? You know, everybody else is out there, everybody else is producing. And our answer has been no, we're not afraid because we're going to do it right. And when we do this, we're going to continue to provide it, provide as much value as we always have, rather than rush it through. And 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 you know, I'm, I'm, you know, we'll see next week how it, how it plays out, but I'm very <laughs> confident in, in what's been built and what the team's going to do. Man, I, I think there's a lot of truth in what you just said around, uh, it's not that they have event fatigue, it's that they have poor event p- fatigue. You know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It'd be really no different if you went to, um, you know, two or three conferences in person back to back and they were all garbage. I mean, yeah. we've all been there. Right. Um, <laughs> yes, we have. The, the only good news about those is you at least have a decent, uh, bar or restaurant nearby and you can kind of forget <laughs> about half of it. But um, I, I mean, that that even leads into really what is one of the most important parts of in-person events. Well, giving a good segue to you, Jeff, is part of what I try to do on this I show. I know, but then you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> pointing it out doesn't help, though. <laughs> you can't name the thing. Um, 
but uh, it was a part of what you know makes a good event a good event is really that interconnectivity with other human beings. You know, the, the connection of not just sales opportunities and prospects and things like that, but also just people in the industry and learning from each other and, and networking and, and getting that side of things. How are you addressing that component? Because it really does seem like that's, that seems to be what's missing a lot of the time in these, uh, in these events, the content's still good. You know, you're still getting great speakers out and you know, you, can record it and listen to it again and again, but you know, the, the connectivity is hard. Connectivity is, is not as easy as it used to be. And, it, and it's probably changing a little bit in, in terms of how we define it. I think from, an, from the perspective of a, of a digital or virtual event right now, there's two ways that you can try to address this. First, we've all focused, I think for the last seven or eight months on the content. And like you said, Jeff, content is still strong. People are still, they still have good information and good insight to share, but we focus so much on, oh my gosh, we've got to find new ways to provide this content. I feel like we've kind of overlooked the networking aspect to things. So as we think about virtual events and what we're going to put on not only next week, but going forward, you have to build in as much time for, and as much emphasis on the networking, the, the 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 chat room, or even what we're doing now, where we can all see each other and engage. Every one of our speakers next week, when they get done with their their presentation, will hop into a room like this and be able to field questions from the audience directly. And you know, going back to our point about uh, you know time and and people not wanting to to waste time. Look, if I've just seen Jeff on stage and it was an interesting conversation, but I don't have any interest in in asking him a follow up question. There are other places within the virtual event that I can now go and make the most use of my use of my time. On the other hand, if I've seen Jeff present and it was great, and there was a question I didn't get to ask because uh, you know it was it was either pre-recorded or live, or and, and we just kind of cycled through it. Now I can ask those follow-ups. It's more small group interaction. I can have a more genuine and and again face-to-face -face kind of interaction now, where the video screen goes up. So you try to facilitate that. The other thing I think that has been overlooked in the last uh, last few months is, as we've learned as an, as an industry to put on virtual events, is that we're still looking at events from a point in time perspective. It's on this day and it happens from this time to this time and tune in for our virtual event. There are a lot of reasons why you know, even from a physical event standpoint, that wasn't always the right or the best way to look at it. But certainly from a virtual event standpoint, it's really hard to network and really hard to make connections with people and continue to ask questions if it's a one day period of time for six hours and, and it's all full of content. So what we're trying to do and what we're looking at, not only for this event, but again in the future, is what do you do to make the, the actual get together sort of the capstone rather than the point of the whole event? What can we do for the three months ahead of time? What do we do for the three months after that it happens to facilitate networking, to allow people to connect to each other, to allow for, for sales interactions? Sometimes people want that, some pe sometimes people don't. So how do you kind of cordon that off and, and allow people to do it where they want to? And if you think about an event in terms of an extended period of time community, all of a sudden you're not putting all the eggs in the basket of it has to happen on this date from this time. And I'm sorry if you had other things going on or if you didn't have time or if there were other pieces of content, now you can actually begin to build that network out and facilitate the same kind of connections 
that were so useful from a physical event. Will it be the same? It, it won't. And, and we're not going to pretend to ourselves or anyone else that it will be the same, but it's a greater effort and, and, a, and a, a different way of thinking. And, you know, let's be honest, guys, we're all still filling this out too. We're going to be learning as we go, but at least from, from SME's perspective, as we think about our events, we're starting from that period, that point of, look, the reason people went you know, it was, it was content. Certainly you were going to see the people that were on the stage, but it was also that networking, that interaction. Can you connect a buyer and seller? Can I find somebody who might want to buy my machine? Can I find somebody who's got a machine I might want to buy? You've got to, you've got to realize that people can get their content lots of other places now. So that networking becomes all the more important and you got to try and find a way to build it virtually. I, I think that's the idea of, you know, this forced exclusivity time boxed thing for everything, you know, mm -hmm. in, in this day and age, it just feels like such a foreign concept now. You know? I mean, obviously digital lends itself to asynchronous, but it's just not, um, you know, it is hard to uh, necessarily translate that into how people connect uh, yeah. and, and do so in a meaningful way. It's uh, like you say, we're still very much feeling it out. I think it's interesting to, well, my, like my, one of my favorite artists is Connor Oberst, and he had a in 2012. Uh, uh, Connor Oberst and the Mystic Valley Band released an album, and uh, had a song called "Normal" on it. And it's like and we're back to normal, whatever normal was. Is the kind of <laughs> the, the, one of the lines? Yeah. It just kind of yeah. occurs to me as we're talking about this. It's like let's put on our thinking caps a bit and say, okay, um, looking ahead uh, to August, September, 2021. Um, even if there is a vaccine, which is obviously still in question, um, uh, most of the um, scientific guidance is out there is suggesting that we will still be uh, have mask mandates and physical distancing will uh, is likely to persist uh, through next year and potentially into 2022, um, even with the vaccine. And then meanwhile, so, so you have that happening. You have um, downtown office uh, complexes all over North America, uh, basically as a ghost town. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, there are, are a lot of people obviously have migrated to working from home. And, I, I, you know, so I'm trying to picture us trying to pull together an in-person, kind of go back to normal. Like we said, we're going to go back to normal. Um, uh, in a in a year and a half time, when all the people that used to maybe attend those events and went back and worked in the office, well, now their their whole you know their their work situation itself may never quite go back mm. to what it was. Right. Um. So, uh, I guess as you f think through all of that, are, you know, are you folks really? I, I'm I'm guessing you're seeing this as a much more uh, disruptive event than an interruptive one. Absolutely, and. I mean, first of all, yes, absolutely. If you define it, interruptive is is almost something you think you can survive or wait out. Things will get back to normal. It's just an interruption in the way things are. We survive, we wait it out, and then we go back. Disruptive means that everything is different going forward. You have to rethink and reimagine the way you go about all of what you do. The important reason why well, I'll argue or we argue that that what's happening right now is disruptive rather than interruptive is if you think about all the changes that we're talking about, everything you just mentioned, Carmen, from 
uh, office space and, and work locations to how training is done to the event industry and how it's done. There were changes afoot and things happening even before COVID. And those, though, you know, those uh, due to technology, due to behavioral changes as, as generations, you know, kind of switch in the industry, there weren't as many people thinking, oh my gosh, I have to be at event X every year because that's where it all happens. That was a challenge the event industry was already having to try and think through. Workforce development training was happening from a perspective of, you know, what can we do with AR and VR? How do we use new technologies to perhaps change how we do workforce development, how we train, how we teach people how to fix machines? The work environment that you just talked about, remote work has been something that people have been talking about and has been growing in popularity even before the pandemic started. So when you when you when you think of it in that context and realize that the pandemic has just been a force multiplier and accelerated the changes that were already in, taking place, now there is no going back. Whether there's a vaccine or not, people have gotten used to working from home. Whether there is a vaccine or not, people have gotten used to doing business electronically and communicating the way we are now on screen and, and on a microphone rather than having to get together and shake hands. People are getting used to having a machine demonstrated to them virtually and using whether it's VR or on screen or whatever else. So if we're as an industry thinking, gosh, when there's a vaccine, everything gets back to normal and we're going to go back to the 50,000 or 80,000 person event and we're going to go back to in-person instructor-led training and it's just going to be the way it was, I think that is a strategy for failure. Now, do I think that everything is going to change completely and we'll never go back to physical events and we'll never go back to instructor training? No, that's not true. You talked at the beginning, Jeff, about sort of you know virtual fatigue, and I think that's where fit, where this comes into play. We are tired of virtual interaction because we crave physical interaction. There is still something valuable about getting together in person when it's safe to do so. So the smart the smart play for all of us is going to be thinking not what how do how long can we wait this out until it gets back to what we know. It's when the future is a hybrid of what we know and what we don't, are we going to, are we going to be threatened by that? Or are we going to take some, you know, be proactive and try to figure out what does this look like? How do we shape it? How do we help the industry recognize what the new normal is and, 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 and do business that way? Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash sample abm i really like the idea in some weird way of being so optimistic that the, what the new normal is is that we remove programming from when we get together as people mm. you know like like this notion of the networking is what's really important if we can do so many of these other things virtually and we you potentially know, do them better right mm -hmm. um uh, can you combine doing those things virtually with uh and, and then just, you know, making the in-person all about the networking then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It expands, you know, to your, to your exact point, if you're thinking about it in terms of events, and I don't want to focus only on, on, on those, but for the purposes of this, 
if you had a, a keynote session or, you know, even in the biggest of shows, whether, whether it's an IMTS or a Fabtech or a Rapid Plus TCT or, or Formnext or any of the rest of those, a keynote, the main speaker on each particular morning, you might get, you know, a few thousand people into an auditorium at most. Well, now if we're thinking about we could do this online if it's promoted right and, 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 and shared properly, we could get 10 times that many people to see the same content. So it's actually an opportunity from our perspective to go, okay, we can widen the audience for the content we have. And then to your exact point, when we have this capstone, when we have people getting together in person again, it can be about small small group interaction. Now it can be about make, putting communities of people together in small groups who can help each other, whether it's help each other learn, help each other sell, help each other do business and grow. That happens at that small group level, and you can facilitate a lot more of that in person now. And that's what we all get out of events anyway. So I, I it it is perhaps optimistic. You know, you, you it, it's striking to think, oh my gosh, you know, this is not a threat. This is an opportunity, but it's happening anyway. So rather than than cower or be bothered by it, let's let's be optimistic. Let's be proactive and and figure out how to turn this to the industry's advantage and society's advantage. Man, I, I love the, you just triggered something in my mind and, and a memory. Um, I just love this idea that, you know, if we do get together in person again, maybe we tailor those interactions and the groups of people who are getting together so that they're much more focused, can get a lot more done in a shorter period of time. I mean, I, I've been lucky to attend, you know, probably hundreds of conferences over my career and the I still remember the very best one I ever went to was in 1998. I went to Carnegie Mellon in, in Pittsburgh and there were 35 people at this conference put on by the international um, information design group. Like hmm. it, it was just like, you know, people in this very small subset of design that were all very interested in, you know, human computer interaction and wayfinding and mm -hmm. things like that, getting together at a really high end university and just having conversations for two days was the most I ever got out of a conference um, compared to these huge events with tens to hundreds of thousands of people where, you know, you get to see some of your heroes and, <laughs> and people you look up to. But it's, it's right. You don't get the same level of personal interaction. You you don't, and and I'll step out of the manufacturing industry and go into, into the into the marketing industry. Whether you're talking about the big event in Austin or the big event in Las Las Vegas, and I won't bash them, but uh, we all know which ones I'm talking about. What what does everybody always say? The best part of those events are the hallway conversations. Well, if you can build an entire physical get together around facilitating those hallway conversations and use the tools that are available to us and the technology available to us to to, to be the, to the content element of an event, now you're still providing value. Now you're still giving people a reason to go to a physical event, and yet you're not requiring it. It doesn't become, you know, let's face it, there are a lot of, you know, a lot of businesses in the industry who have half of their sales plan for the year is what kind of leads can we develop at Big Show X? Well, now you don't have to necessarily do that. So we do have to think about planning a little differently. We do have to think about metrics of success from an event standpoint. Um, you know, if you are, if you, if you used to look at, you know, I, my, I'm defining success by whether we got 50,000 people in the door at a big convention center. And that's how we see whether we succeeded to your point, Jeff, it might've been that only 10,000 of those 50,000 actually felt like they got something out of it, but we're not paying attention to that because we're looking at pure numbers. Well, now if we are approaching it from the perspective of the experience and 
is that 35 person get together in a small room for a couple of hours, the most beneficial thing that I can give to Jeff and the thing that can incent him to show up in Pittsburgh. Well, now we've gotten, we've, we've made an incredibly valuable experience for somebody. We've given them an incentive to continue engaging online, even after this is over with, and we've continued to ex, you know, extend the, and let's face it, this is important, extend the brand back to somebody that goes, you know what, when I engage with these guys, whoever it is, whether it's SME or, or anyone else, when I engage with them, I have a valuable experience. I get what I came there to do. I, I get something out of it. I can go back to my leadership and say, there was a good reason I was there. That's what you're trying to get to at this point. I, uh, I jotted down this uh, notion as you were speaking, this, uh, how interesting it would be if the, um, like the, the Boston Convention Center had no big rooms and it was just all hallways. <laughs> <laughs> you show up so you can watch walk through a bunch of different hallways and see what you find. It's hard enough to find your way around the BCEC. <laughs> <to be honest. laughs> uh. I'm envisioning all the you know it's it's Halloween season and I've got a, a an eight year old so we've been doing a lot of the the uh, apple farms and everything else and I'm right now envisioning just a big giant corn maze inside a convention center somewhere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think we all I think, I think we all live in the same city because we got billboards for those damn corn mazes yeah. around here so. yes um yeah it uh, so, i'm wondering are you um uh, are you seeing this conversation about how basically the you know a pickle can't be a cucumber again uh the 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 the, the workforce is changing dramatically covid's a dramatic accelerator are you seeing this conversation extend beyond events with your membership to them rethinking how they actually go to market how they sell uh in a more holistic um reinvention given uh the current situation have you, have you seen any kind of uh, market shifts in in their uh, focus you know there, there's a shift in thinking I, I can't say that there's a shift in having it figured out yet um you know we're, we're all still while I'll, I'll maintain COVID didn't cause this, we are all still almost, you know, only a few months into the the realization that it's happening this much faster and there is no going back. What we are seeing among our members is that recognition that, okay, this has gone on for long enough and there are, were other factors involved that there is no going back to your, to use your phrase, which I'm going to blatantly steal the next time I'm talking internally, pickle can't be a cucumber again. Um, <laughs> that recognition is there. People are beginning to recognize and, and understand and accept that new normal is normal now. What we haven't all as an industry or among our members really completely grokked yet is what does that mean for, for sales cycles? What does that mean for planning? How do we do this? You know, but the first step in getting there is recognizing that you need to get there. And I'm I'm pleased to say that that conversation is happening whether it's on internal message, internal member chats, whether it's it's conversations or or, or content that our members are sharing with each other, uh, you know, I am absolutely seeing there's not resistance. There's not a you know what are you talking about? This is not this is not right. We're all going to get back together again. You'll see that's not happening. Mm. So, you know, in the in the con in the scheme of things, even though it feels like we've been going through this forever, it's really only been a few months and that's a incredibly short time to expect an industry or a group of people to be able to have figured out exactly how to respond to things. So I'm confident we'll get there. I'm confident that 
uh, you know, as an industry, as, uh, as our members, as, as academic institutions, we'll figure this out and we'll figure it out soon. Uh, I just don't know that anybody's that I've seen really nail it down yet. I'm encouraged by, um, the kind of what I hear in your voice there of them, at least folks leaning into, uh, making the change and, uh, understanding that they need to figure it out versus, you know, we all know fingers that in your ears and yeah, it's going to all be fine. There've been a few organizations uh, out there, some more short-sighted manufacturers that have, you know, uh, laid off their uh, marketing department or you know half of it or whatever, and and see it as just a storm to weather and tighten the belt, and that's that. But you know, I, I don't think that's the norm. I think an awful lot of uh, others know that this is um, this is something that you need to aggressively work through and yeah. and and. And if the change is accelerating, you need to accelerate your work with it, not hit the pause button. You know, it, that's very right, and 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 I agree that it's it. You know, while I understand why it happens, you know, marketing and 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 PR are not uh, revenue centers; we're cost centers. I get why that's the first inclination, but the the reality is, you are going to, especially in a new environment, have to figure out how to sell yourself in a different way, how to reach an audience in a different way. And so it doesn't make sense to, to cut back and it doesn't make sense to, to eliminate a, a marketing or a communications department. What we need to do as, as practitioners of, of our profession within the industry, though, is just like in manufacturing, the skills that built you a strong career 20 years ago are not the skills that will build you a strong career today. It's the same thing in marketing. We need to look at what are the skills gaps that we have in a post-COVID industry. And, you know, and not that I want to blame COVID, but just that'll be probably what we call it in a post COVID industry. Marketing is going to be different. What will the skills be that we need? What are the skills that we don't have? Who do we need to go attract? How do we convince them that B2B marketing in a manufacturing environment is as compelling as going and working for a, a startup consumer tech company? Those are the kinds of things that as a, as a marketing department within our industry, we got to be thinking about because just like the industry we serve, we have a skills gap and we need to address it to, to be effective in the next, the next version of the industry. I love that. I don't think, uh, I haven't heard anybody put it that succinctly and, you know, cause it often that, that gap, uh, gets talked about through the lens of like a digital gap mm -hmm. or, um, you know, they're laggard adopters of this or that. And therefore people need to get with religion. This is a different, uh, it is. this is a different way of looking at it though. To so say, this is, um, we're going to have to market and sell in a different world and the skills required to do that are different than the ones that our organizations fundamentally have today. So we yeah. got to learn, you got to get yeah. busy living. Yeah. 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 And, and you made it, you both made a, you've made a very good point too, that it's not just about the technologies that we will use. They're a means to an end. When, when we talk about a new environment and, and get busy learning, it's about mindset, understanding what customers are, are, what behaviors are, what their expectations are, how we're going to meet those now. Technology is great, but it, it is a means to that end. And if we, if we make the mistake of just saying, oh, we need to go invest in this technology or bump up our, bump up our, our spend in these areas, you know, that may or may not be as effective as really trying to understand the audience, which is what we're all supposed to be doing in the first place anyway. Yeah, changing our <laughs> processes and impacting people and you know th th those th those are always the hard part the tech's the easy side of it right it's the, <laughs> right it's the it's the it's the, the stuff that the tech uh, uh, encounters <laughs> that yeah, is the and, and enables you to do 
Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we've all experienced it, whether in our current organizations or, or, or previous roles where there's the way it's always been done. And somebody in the organization has the checklist of this is how you do this, 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 and this. And they start looking at that checklist and saying, well, now we've achieved it. Now we did what we're supposed to do. Those checklists are in a post COVID world, completely moot. They're, they're useless. We have to rethink the new checklist. And, you know, from a personal perspective, I hope we never go to a checklist. I hope we're creative <laughs> and, and, and individualized every time. But at bare minimum, we need to get that, uh, the, you know, the new toolkit and the new checklist and, and recognize that what we used to do just isn't going to cut it now. Man, I, I love that. And I, and I think that that ties a nice bow on, on this whole conversation. Yeah, Chris, it's been a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and expertise with uh, the coolering today. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely, gentlemen. Thank you very much. And, and thank you to everybody who's, who's listening today. All the best. Thanks. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.